It is Friday, the 2nd of August, 2019. My name is Jeremy Medlin, and welcome to episode 51 of the Stock Market Movers podcast. Just a quick reminder that nothing that I say today should be considered financial advice. And if you're looking for financial advice, I recommend that you speak to an authorised financial advisor. It's been quite an interesting couple of days in the markets, or at least for us in the Southern Hemisphere, a couple of nights in the markets. In the last couple of days, we've had a rate cut that appeared to have been priced in, followed shortly by a market sell-off, followed by what appeared to be a, a bounce back the next day, followed by a really quick reversal after... Donald Trump once again found his Twitter finger. It's been a, it's been a while since he has had an impact on the market, so I think that's quite interesting. It just shows what I said last week about how difficult it is to predict these macro events. While it would obviously be important information if you could predict it, it's, it's virtually impossible to do so, at least in my opinion, or maybe I just can't <laughs> on a regular basis. Anyway, I also started reading a what appears to be a, a good book yesterday. It's called... Bad Blood, Secrets and Lies in a Silicon Valley Startup. It's about the rise and the fall of Theranos. And there's also a good documentary about the same topic, which I'd recommend you watch as well. My early investing takeaway is that you shouldn't just, it's a reminder that you shouldn't just invest just because other people are. It seems to me that a lot of people invested in Theranos just because a lot of other big names were like Larry Ellison and everyone else. And I see people do this quite often with stocks. They go, oh, this fund or person is buying, so I will. And it's not really an approach I recommend. You know, sure, it can be a tip-off and, you know, you run away and do some investigation and make your own decision, but it shouldn't be a reason alone to invest, even if it, you know, does and, and, and quite often works, I guess. Anyway, um, so far it, it seems to be a good book. Just before I start the episode, remember to head to stockmarketmovers.co.nz and have a look. I've updated the page and set up a blog as well. I'll try to do blog posts once a week or at least every couple of weeks. I, I didn't get time last week. And you can also communicate via Facebook and Twitter as well. Okay, so the NZX, it's been a wash with IPOs. <laughs> I'm saying that semi-sarcastically, but it feels like we've been through a, a drought in recent times and all of, the, all of a sudden there's been a couple. Or at least we have had one and we've got another one on the way. And you couldn't get more polar opposites in terms of business businesses. And I think I, I first spoke about... On episode 45, Canon South, I remember speaking about Canon South there. And I guess you could say they're an early stage biotech company in the medical medicinal marijuana space. The second and what we'll talk about today is the Porta Napier. And complete opposite of Canon South, they've, on, according to the Porta Napier website, they have history that dates back 150 years or so. So two companies on the opposite end of the spectrum, um, one which has been around in various forms for 150 years and the other which feels like it's been around for about 150 minutes and don't think don't think that's me having a, a crack at Canna South by the way there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it with investing in early stage companies if that's what you do so anyway with two IPOs it feels like we're awash with them and I'll be honest I, I don't really know anything about this IPO. Um, I, I hadn't heard of it until I'd interviewed the NZX CFO in episode 39 and, and he suggested that it was in the pipeline. And you know that was, wasn't that long ago and it's come around pretty quickly since then. So I'll talk a bit about this IPO, but you can find out complete information by going to www.napierportshareoffer.co.nz. 
and they've got a website with all the product disclosure statements and everything like that. So for those that do not know, and I'm reading directly off the product disclosure statement here, Napier Port is located in the Hawke's Bay and is New Zealand's fourth largest container port by volume. And this is after Port of Tauranga, Auckland and Littleton, I guess. So the port is currently owned by Hawke's Bay Regional Investment Company Limited, and they're selling 45% of the company by way of initial public offering. And this will be my first comment about IPOs, not specifically the Napier Port one, but in, in general. Important point to remember is that in every IPO, you are dealing with somebody that is selling something. Now, think when you sell something, the first thing that you're trying to do is get a higher price the highest price possible. That's what you want to do when you sell something. Imagine as an analogy, you're selling your car on Trade Me. You want to get the best possible price for the car. So the first thing you might do is check to see what the market is like for cars and what other similar cars are selling for or if your car is in demand and if you can get a good price at the moment that will please you. Then you might think about when you're selling selling it. You might not, for example, want to list it on Christmas Day or another time when it's not when people aren't looking for cars. You'll probably list at a time of year when you're most likely to get the highest price and in the market conditions where you're most likely to get the highest price. If there are any problems with the car, you might decide to get it fixed, patched patched up or, or cleaned up and glossed over and, you, and you'll definitely give it a good clean and you'll most certainly <clears throat> give it a good write-up on the advertising. You know, it, the advertising will be will be made to present the car in the best possible lights in the best possible light, sorry. And this is exactly what happens with IPOs. Companies generally list at a time where they think that they can get the best possible price. You know, why if if you don't think you can get the best price for the company, you might as well wait until a market where you can. Just like when you're listing your car and trade me. They want they'll wait for a strong and buoyant market. I mean how many IPOs, for example, did you see in two thousand and nine? And when other comparable companies are selling for premium prices, they will they will spend the financial periods prior tidying up the financials to make them look as neat as possible. Now they might even give them give the place a good clean. And then for advertising, well, let's just say you'll probably never read a bad prospectus. Um, the whole idea is to get the best price price possible because at the end of the day, you are selling and you want the best price. Now, conversely, as a buyer, you want the lowest price. So when looking at an IPO for or any investment, for that matter, pr- pretend you are buying a, a car and trade, basically be, be suspicious. And <laughs> how's that for investing advice when looking at IPO, pretend you're buying a car and trade me? But you should, you should be suspicious and you should take everything with a grain of salt and you should focus on the things that are important. Now, I think there are sometimes some exceptions to this. Peter Lynch has a, a good quote on IPOs. It goes, whatever the queen is selling buy it. And the quote is from the perspective of government-owned enterprises that are IPOing. Basically, governments can't be seen to be cheating investors with high-priced IPOs. Of course, that is a generalisation, but I would say that a government... that a government-backed IPO, because of their wide participation, you know, government IPOs tend to get wider participation in the stock market than is true on average. So then they're normally set up to succeed. The last thing you want to do if you're a government is upset all your voters and have all the inquiries and drama that would no doubt follow. You know, imagine a government IPO that fell flat on its face and everyone lost money. It would be a disaster. 
So think about all the, the power generator listings a few years back. You know, they were probably, I didn't participate myself, but they were probably no-brainers. Now, if I had to bet, I would suggest a similar thing might be the case with Napier, um, being that the Hawke's Bay Regional Investment Company Limited is a Hawke's Bay Regional Council controlled organisation. Um, but it is still important to note that if you go to the website, the objective of the organisation is to ensure a growth of shareholder value and increased financial and strategic returns. So to quickly summarise, always remember that with an IPO that someone is selling you something and whoever it is, they'll probably be more informed about what they are selling than you are. So they'll have an advantage over you in the transaction. Whether they press and take advantage of that is of that edge is a different question. So anyway, back to Napier. I don't think I've ever been to the Hawke's Bay, so I'm not going to pretend to know much about the port or the region. Uh, maybe my parents took me there when I was a kid, but if it is, it's as good as me not going there because I can't remember it. They're going to sell 90 million shares, representing 45% of the 200 million shares on issue immediately after the listing. They're expecting to raise between 204 and 234 million. The share price will be between $2.27 and $2.60 per share, which gives you a market cap range of between 454 and 520 million, so a pretty big range. As a comparison, just in terms of size, um, not profitability, the port of Tauranga has a market cap of just over $4 billion. They're expecting to start trading on the 20th of August, so later this month. Like I said, that seems to have come around pretty quickly from that initial chat I had with the CFO of the NZX. They're raising money to reduce debt and provide capacity to fund a wharf expansion project. And just to run through what the money's going to be used for, $110 million will be used to, to pay back debt and fund that expansion of the wharf. If you didn't know this already, any time you try to buy something or build something in a port, it costs an awful lot. While this seems like a, a, a bad thing that every investment you make costs a lot of money, the upside is that it's not like another one can open up next door and compete with you. Um, 13.7 to 14.3 is to fund the offer costs, so people are getting paid pretty much for bringing it to market. 1.7 million is going to fund loans to employees to purchase shares, and 78.7 to 107.9 million is to enable the Hawke's Bay Regional Investment Company to realise some of its profits um, from its investment in the port. So, you know, that that's why they want the highest price possible, you have to say, because they're going to realise a bigger profit. Even though as buyers in the IPO, maybe a lower price would be better for you. So as for the key investment metrics, they've given an EBITDA multiple of 10.9 to 12.5 times. EBITDA multiples are, are pretty pointless in this case, I believe. I heard an interview with Charlie Munger on YouTube where he called EBITDA earnings before all the important costs. Anyway, ports are going to have capital expenditures every year. They might be slightly different, but they will always have them. So I, I don't think it's sensible to ignore depreciation when you're evaluating the company. But you may disagree, and, and that's cool. We don't have to agree. Um, so pro forma earnings per share is expected to be $0.10, cents and actual earnings per share is expected to be $0.03. Cents. Why the difference? I imagine that a large part of it is due to listing costs. Um, the company expects to earnings per share of, of $0.10 cents in 2020, which places the company on a forward PE of 22.7 to 26 times. So it's not no, not cheap, but maybe not expensive either, especially relative to other ports. They expect to pay $0.07 cents per share out in dividends, which gives a yield of 29 to 3.3%. Personally, if I was going to be a long-term holder, I'd, I'd want a bit more than 3 but 
maybe they're, they're pricing in and expecting some growth in there, I'm not sure. The, the PDS gives plenty of qualitative information about the port as well. I won't go into that, but I'll, I'll let you do that in your own time. But I guess what I would say is a, is a real high-level view is that a, a port is one of those ones where you'd have to believe it will still be a port in 10, 20 or 30 years' time unless there's some sort of technology that comes along that I can't even imagine. You'd have to believe it would still exist. I mean, it's existed for the previous 150 years, so you know, you'd have to believe we'd still ship goods in the future. And you'd have to imagine that, well, of course, there'll be some ups and downs along the way. It is likely it'll still be doing, it'll be doing more business in 20 years' time than it, what it is now. And you'd have to expect that based off that, they'll make more money and the shares should be worth more, unless there's some sort of massive meteorite that hits the Hawke's Bay region or some sort of economic drama that happens there that just destroys the region or I don't know something some sort of apocalypse that happens to the New Zealand economy then over the long term if you buy this at a satisfactory price you'll probably receive a a satisfactory return it shouldn't by nature be like an A2 milk type return you know it shouldn't shoot the lights out yet if you start doubling and tripling your money in a short period of time with the port of an API IPO you'd you'd want to be considering lining up the sell button on your computer. Um, so what what to think of it all? I, I like to see IPOs, even even though I don't think I've ever participated in one. Um, I missed an obvious quick buck with the Royal Mail one when I was in the UK, but I don't think I've ever participated in one. It seems like, to me, that they've attempted to price the IPO fairly as in not undervalued or overvalued. They've done this by taking the relative value of other port companies and, and run with that. So it's priced comparably to, say, the port of Tauranga. And I think this is because of what the Hawke's Bay Regional Investment Company, who is what selling is and what their goals are. And this is just my assumptions, by the way. I could be wrong. On the one hand, they report to the council, and the council can't be seen to be taking advantage of all the people out there who will get involved in it. And on the other side of the coin, the investment company's mission is to achieve a good return. So it's not like they've gone and priced it at 10 or 15 times earnings, so there's a baked-in capital gain out there for the punters. And, of course, what I'm saying now will have nothing to do with how the stock reacts after the IPO. You know, we are IPO-starved here in New Zealand, and I wouldn't be surprised if a bunch of hungry investors bid it up. But likewise, as we've seen in the markets in the last couple of days, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the opposite is true in it. You know, and it could easily fall on, on the IPO. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, great to see some more IPOs in New Zealand. Bring them on if you're thinking of listing out there. Great if you would. Um, that's all we have time for. One of the shorter episodes this week. It looks like we're coming up 15 minutes compared to the record long one we did last week. But thanks again for listening to the podcast. As a reminder that nothing that I said today should be considered financial advice. And if you're looking to find out more about the podcast, go to www.stockmarketmovers.co.nz or find us and give it a like by searching on Facebook or Twitter. Make sure to also share it with your friends. Email me at jeremy at stockmarketmovers.co.nz. And once again, my name is Jeremy Medlin, and this has been episode 51 of the Stock Market Movers podcast for Friday, the 2nd of August, 2019. We'll see you all again next week.